Good morning. I have got everything now. And instead, if someone doubts, this is water, it's real water. And I see there's a box of tissues. I don't know who that is for. But uh, it's such a privilege to be here for us. We look forward every year to come here because this is our time out for me and Linda. We come here to be refreshed and to be strengthened. We find love here. We find uh, fellowship here. We find brothers and sisters here. We find our family here. And uh, most of all, we find God here. That's why we love to come here. You know, if God wasn't here, you would not have seen us, even though we would have loved you anyway. And so it's a privilege. Those who do not know us, for me and Linda, I'm a pilot originally with SAA. That was my dream that was my kingdom, and that was my first love, aeroplanes. Linda came second, but she didn't mind because the aeroplanes brought money in. And so she was willing to share that love. But then God, by his grace, met me. And I realized that I'm this wonderful person that flies high in the sky. has got the best office in the world. When his life ends, it's going to end not in the, way, the place where he's going to enjoy it. And so God dealt with me, and he saved my life. He saved Linda's life. And he took us out of flying, and we went into the mission field, never expecting to fly again. And then God opened the door. That skill we had opened doors for us to do a tent maker's ministry, which we're doing now. I'm flying for ZZ2. Most of you eat their tomatoes. If you don't, I want to ask that you do. My salary comes from there, and the salary pays for the mission. So, so uh, support, support the tomato, support the work of God. They have evangelism fund, which they tithe to as a company. And out of that evangelism fund, they support many churches, many pastors, and ministries. And nobody knows about that. They just see, oh, those people, they are blessed. But we don't, we know why they're blessed. You know, so... Um, that's where we are the whole year. It's our, f- our focus is to fly airplanes firstly, safely, and get everyone where they should be. And then when I'm off, they say, you do what you want to do. You do what God has called you to do. And I a- administer the evangelism fund, and yearly we have a budget, and we have a meeting, and they see what we do and what we want to do. And actually, if there's a project that we believe in, then they support that project. So that's really a blessing from God. So that's where we come from. But today, I look at this week that we'll be celebrating Christmas, and we see Jesus born in Bethlehem. And when I see Jesus come from heaven, leaving his throne, I realize that he's on a mission. He's on his mission, and his mission is God's mission. And then I realize that 
His mission, God's mission, is our mission. And so I said to Ian, I would love to speak on mission today and see how God will come out and speak to us and draw us into his mission. Because I'm not just talking about you supporting some mission somewhere. I, I want to ask today that we'll have such a heart open that we will enter into the mission of God. Because that's why we live. That's why we have our being here. That's why we are still on earth and not in heaven. And so I prepared a message, message and I started with, you know, the mission of God. You know, where do we start with it? Because here is the mission of God. This is God's eternal purpose. This is His manifold wisdom. This is His full counsel in His plan. If we had to start the whole, the whole mission of God, we have to start at Genesis and work right through until we get to Revelation to get the full understanding of God who is on mission and uh, that He has allowed us to come into His family and to become part of that mission which He is doing, which is His mission. And He says, come, you are my co-workers. You are my friends. Come, let's do this together. And that's why we are here and that's why we live. And so I thought, where do we start in defining you know, mission, and, and the shortest way we can define it, it's with one word, and we spell it Jesus. Jesus is the mission, and everything is from him, out of him, and unto him. Everything in mission starts with him, and he's the main focus. If I have to say it in two words, I would say, we can say God's mission is that, in two words, God reigns. If we have to choose uh, three words, it becomes more difficult, you know. But I would say Jesus is Lord. If I say four words, I would say God alone is God. That's his mission uh, that he's busy, that he's establishing. And then we, we sang this beautiful prayer today, which we call the Lord's Prayer, which is not the Lord's Prayer. It is the missionary's prayer. It's our prayer. It's the church's prayer that say, Our Father in heaven, your name be hallowed, be glorified. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. As it is in heaven, so on earth. We sang that. And then the missionary's prayer continues there. It says, Father, give us today all that we need that's our bread. All that we need in every aspect, in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit, so that we can glorify your name, so that we can bring your kingdom, so that we can see your will be done here. And then we know that we, we are failing as missionaries often. And we can say, Father, forgive us our sins, our mistakes, our failures, our neglect, as we forgive those who sin against us. And then we realize that we are in a battle with darkness and with evil and with sin. And that, that, that evil is sometimes in us and sometimes from outside of us. But we say, Father, deliver us from evil. Isn't that wonderful? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And we can call that God's mission in short in a prayer. And so I want to start with, with that. Um, God has an eternal purpose. His plan did not start in Genesis 3. 
And somehow we think that God's own, all that's on God's mind is to save people from their sin so that they wouldn't go to hell. But you know, the Bible fortunately does not start in Genesis 3, but in Genesis 1. And God reveals his purposes already from Genesis 1 when he started with the creation. And we see in Hebrews later, we'll go there, that there must have been plenty of meetings with God in heaven. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who planned everything already before he started building and creating the earth and the heavens. He already had it worked out. He did not arrive one day in the garden and saw Adam missing. You know, even though God cried out and said, Adam, where are you? God was not caught by, by an accident. Oh, what happened here? A, a mistake, a failure. The reason God probably called out to Adam was to give Adam a chance to confess his sin and to repent and to come forward as he does so oftentimes with us. You know, he knows what you're doing. He knows where you are at. He can see in the darkness where, what you're doing. And yet he continually calls and woes you, come. Come to me. Find forgiveness. Come find life with me. Come in repentance to me. I've got that which is good for you. He calls. He will never force and so God, God's plan was there from the very beginning. And, and so his mission started from the beginning, from even before the earth was created. And we'll, we'll support that in Scripture uh, if, if you need to. A good exercise this week, if you have time, is to start reading just the first three chapters of Genesis and take in as much as you can, what is God saying through this? And then, you know what I do with a book? When I find a book, I, I read the introduction, and I find if that introduction doesn't grip me, then I'm not interested in the book. But if the introduction grips me, I'm really naughty. I skip right to the back, and I read the conclusion. If that grips me, then I say, I want to know what's in it because that's for me. I want this. Isn't it? Do you do also do that? And so, okay, but then you'll just have to read all 66 books before you get to the end, and then you can read the conclusion. Now, here at the very end, we have the last three chapters of Revelation, and you, ful you find the fulfillment of God's mission there. You'll find everything in Genesis 3, God lays the foundation for us, and we start to understand, and then we see when we open the last three chapters in Revelation, you get a good understanding. And I don't want to preach about that. I want you to go and read it and study it for yourself and be blessed by, by that. So let us pray and ask God to bless us this morning. Father, we, we thank you that no one here wants to hear my message, but they want to hear your message. And Lord, your message and your word is life. It will produce liberty and freedom in our lives. It will produce strength and everything we need to live this life that you have called us to. Lord, to live it in victory and in your power. Lord, to live it so that your name is glorified in the heavens. Lord, that everyone who would look at us would see Christ manifested and glorified in our lives. So, Father, I pray that we may hear and receive your word this morning. Lord, as we humble ourselves before you. Just use us. But Lord, let your Holy Spirit do the work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.
You know, as, as you can hear, this message can really become very long. We can still be here tonight, and then we won't be through Genesis. So, you know, if you excuse me and Ian, if, if, if you see that there's 10 minutes left, then you, then you say. But normally, I find that when it's a rugby game, and it's exciting, people can sit there for 80 minutes. And, and they're not sitting still. They're shouting and they're moving around. And, and so I don't mind you shouting and moving in around today. That's as long as you don't capsize and, and, uh, and fall over. Because as w- with Paul, we might have to lay hands on you to revive you again. You know, Linda always jokes with me, you know, I, I'm the quietest person. They joked with us and they said on our, when we got married, they said that, uh, you know, I, I never asked her, you know, to marry Barry. What did they say? You know, because I spoke so softly, she couldn't hear what I was saying. That was the kind of person that I was, a complete introvert that didn't speak. I think Linda asked me to marry her eventually, and, uh, but I'm glad about that. You know, and so God can change an introvert and, and send him out and do, do work through him, just so I believe God can do through you as well. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 11 on faith. And I'm not going to speak on faith, but I want to show something there on mission for us. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll go to verses 1. As I read, I'll just talk and you just follow. Chapter 1, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And I want to point out there that God, when he framed the world, it was not just a haphazard that that he spoke. Everything was planned and designed and it was put into its place before he spoke these words. There was nothing But God created out of nothing something. It was invisible, but from the invisible He created the visible. And He started with nothing out. And even science can can show that to us today. They say the Big Bang came really out of nothing. That that Big Bang was created by a particle that was so small that it couldn't be seen by the eyes. Now you tried that for science, but that's what they say. And then there was all this power locked up inside that particle that cannot be seen. But then it exploded and that's how everything came about. And it's quite true. But the power came from God who spoke into being everything that was made. Now, you know, he he put the laws in, in place there for what he wanted. You know, just as the government meets every year and they speak and they put laws into place and that's why we have a government that's run by law. Laws that are in place. God did the same before. That came from before the worlds were there. Today we know that every cell in our body has got a DNA. There's a program that God spoke into being. If you're a computer program, Grammar, you know that that computer, that cell phone that you've got, that tablet that you've got, cannot work without millions of hours that were put into the design of that product. It's not just a lot of silicon that, and copper that they put together and say, wow, here's a tablet. 
they, and, and I tell you, the creation of God is a million times more, you know, uh, intelligent, uh, complicated, designed. And so God did that by His Word. He spoke everything into being in every program in your cell. He's programmed you for that. But He did that with a, with a purpose, and there was a plan. And so then we see it's by faith that we accept this and believe this. We can't, we can't understand God what he did. And he wants to, us to understand what he's doing though. And so we see that later he called Abram. And I want to skip to verse 8. 11 verse 8. By faith Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would afterwards receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That was never what God promised him. But in his friendship and his relationship with God and what happened with God, the promises that God originally gave him of a name, a blessing, a country, a people is not part of the city which he now is expecting. But he had a relationship where in which God revealed to him that there is something after this life which is much greater. That's what God is doing. It's his eternal purpose, what he's building through his mission for which he's using Abram. And that's the thing that Abram grasped. And understood. And we read one thing in, in, in Genesis 15 where God said to him, I myself will be your reward. And Abram understood that. And then as we read further, we see that Abram, when he was tested with Isaac in verse 17, where he offered Isaac that he was received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also raised him in a figurative sense. So he believed that God could raise from the dead. And that's what we have to believe today. That's where our faith is today, is that God has got a city prepared for us in heaven. He has got something prepared which Paul says, no eye have seen, no thought has ever come to our mind about in heaven. That's our reward one day. He put his faith in that because he saw it. And we need to see that if we want to be part of God's mission and want to work towards God's mission is we have to, to have that eternal vision, that long-term vision of what God wants to do through us and in our lives. And we see that in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promise but having seen them afar off, were assured of them and embraced them and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Have we seen that? Have you seen what Abraham has saw, seen? And so as we read on, we come now to verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, 
blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. And I want to use that scripture today, if I can read it again. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. When I read that, God just put something in my heart that what Jacob did is what we have to do. He received a blessing that was the blessing that came from Abram, that was the blessing that God had given to Abram, of which he is now part of. And what his purpose in life was, was that he had to pass this blessing on to the next generation so that the blessing can go forth. And this message just came in my heart that says, passing on the blessing. Passing on the blessing. And it just struck me, that's exactly what our part is in the mission that God is busy with, of which we are part of. Passing on the blessing. We see that Jacob received that blessing by faith, and he had to pass it on by faith. In the same way, every blessing that God has given us as His children and as the church, we have to receive it by faith. We have to believe God for it and everything around it. We don't see it with our eyes, just as Jacob didn't see it and Abram didn't see it and they died without seeing it. Sometimes we will die without seeing. But we have received it by faith, we know. And so we also have to give it by faith. And having received it by faith, then we will be able to give as Jacob did to pass on the blessing that he received from God. And we are to pass on the blessing that we have received from God, that you have received from God. And then you are together with God in the mission. And so we want to look at this, this blessing that he received, where did it come from? And we have to go to Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3 to read about it. And we see that this blessing is the covenant that God made with Abram. And that this, this covenant, Genesis 12, verse 1, and 3, 1 to 3, that it was a blood covenant. It could not be broken. It was a life that was given for that. It's only God that passed through. That sacrifice. Only He made the payment for that covenant. Just as when Jesus comes, only He by His blood establishes the covenant. It was unconditional. It was eternal. It was the basis of God's love that flowed out of God was that covenant. And something which is really striking, which we have to see today in the mission that God is on, is that it includes all the nations. Every nation, every family of God, every person. So let's read some of that. Now the Lord said to Abram, and then we read there, I will make you a great nation. You see that there? And so they become a nation that God established for His purposes. A redemptive purpose. Firstly, He want to have established that nation to bring His word to us. We have the word of God today. Because of that nation that came through Abraham. Then we have an example of God dealing with people right through how he dealt with his people. But also his people had to be an example to all the nations around him. 
that when they see Israel, the people of God, that they would see God in Israel, that they would see the blessings, that they would come to Israel and say, why are you so blessed? Why, what is this with you? That there's no sickness among you. There's, there's no lack in you. And they say, it's our God. And this we serve Him this way. And you can approach Him as well. So it's an attractional model. And today we find churches that call them by that name. They say, we, ha- we are an attractional church. They try to live up to the standard of the world so that they can give something to the people outside that they want and say, let's attract them here. And once they are here, then we give them the word. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's what God meant with Israel to be. Not that it's all that they were, but that's why he established them as a nation. And he says, then he says to them, I will bless you and make your name great. That follows right after Genesis 11. Where God, after giving people many chances, while after Noah he destroyed the world and started afresh, we come to Genesis 11 where we have the nations and what do they do? They say, we will make a name for ourselves. We will build our own kingdom without God. We, we want a counter kingdom that's, that, is not, that God is not part of. And God says that is rebellion. And that we see that in Babel. Because they exalted themselves. It was self-worship in Babel. And it's still today self-worship. It's all about me. Christianity is about me. God is about me. He must just do everything for me. Do you know that there's a gospel like that? That many people preach? Is the bless me, bless me, bless me gospel. Where we become the focus. And so they build this tower in Babel. And God says, no, I'm not going to build in Babel. I'm going to build my temple, my tabernacle in Jerusalem. And so he scattered the people. And so he comes to Abram. He says, wait, Abram. I will make, I will bless you. And I will make your name great. By starting my kingdom with you and in you. And so he says, and you shall be a blessing. And that blessing means for others. You shall be a blessing. It's not, I'm be blessed for myself, but he says, Abram, you will be a blessing. And that's exactly what God has made us. Each one of us. You're a blessing. A blessing of God to this nation, to this country, to this city, and to the people around it. You don't have to doubt about that. If you are in with God in His mission and in His covenant, then all these promises have come true in our lives as well. He says, whoever will bless you, I will bless them. If they will curse you, I will curse them. Abram becomes God's friend and God protects Abram. He says, if they are against Abram, they are against me. And it's true today. If they're against the church, they're not against the church. They're against God. And God keeps us in all that we do. And then verse 4, it says, And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Or some translation says, And in your seed, singular, all the nations will be blessed. So who's the seed? Is it Israel? David? And then Paul, Paul comes in, in Galatians 
16, he says, this seed is singular, and this is Christ. God has given this promise to Abram that says, the one, the seed who will be the blessing to the nations will come. And everyone who believes in him become part of Abram's family. We used to teach the children a song. Maybe you know it, Father Abram. You, you, did you sing that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons has Father Abram. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just play, praise the Lord. And it's on this basis, our faith in Christ, we've become part of the family of Abram, which is the family of God, which is the nation of God. We are God's nation. Amen. There's the blessing. Christ is the blessing. In Him is everything. Every possible blessing that we can think of has its origin in Christ. It's through Christ and it's for Christ. He's the center of it all. He is the fullness of God. If we have received Christ, we have received the fullness of God in us. If we receive Christ, we've become part of every covenant and every agreement that God has made. We've become part of every plan that God has. And He's got the plan for you. And so the Abrahamic covenant is just one of the covenants. And through Abram's covenant, we have forgiveness of sin. We have redemption. God has brought us back. We have acceptance with God in His family. We have salvation because that covenant is Christ who is the Lamb. And so we see that Abram, even in his child, Isaac, we see a mirror, a picture. Abram had to offer Isaac as a lamb, just as the father has sacrificed his son. And Jesus became the lamb for us. And through his blood we have forgiveness. We have restoration with God. We reconciled with God. But God also made a covenant with David. And he said, David, on your seed will establish the kingdom, an eternal kingdom. And of that kingdom, there will never be an end. And that kingdom will include all the nations. That was David's covenant. And we are part of that, where Jesus is the king. And we see also the picture of David having a son by the name of Solomon. And Solomon establishes the kingdom. Solomon establishes the tabernacle, the temple, where God is worshipped. And so we have become part of that covenant as well. Jesus is not only our Savior, He is our King. And He comes and He establishes the kingdom in us. He lives in us and we become part of His kingdom. But He comes and establishes the kingdom eventually over all God's creation. And it will be an eternal kingdom. And that covenant is an eternal covenant that cannot be broken. Amen. And through that covenant with David, which is also Christ, fulfilled in Christ, and pointing to Christ, we have this, we have deliverance from sin. Sin has no more power over us. We have deliverance from darkness. We have deliverance from Satan and every power that he has. We are delivered. We are in victory over that. We rule over that because Christ has established his kingdom in us and we are established in his kingdom. 
And sin does not rule in His kingdom. And neither does Satan rule in His kingdom. And so Jesus comes and He was born some 2,000 years ago almost. And He fulfills both those covenants in one act where He goes to the cross and He shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sins becoming the blessings of the, the blessing of the nations. And He dies on the cross to deliver us from Satan's kingdom. But in His death, He destroys Satan's kingdom. That counter-kingdom. That rebellion which Satan started, of which we were part of. No longer part of, happily. We are freed from, from that through Christ's cross and His death. And his blood. Amen. So now we know the blessing. Are, are you blessed? So you become so quiet. Say I'm blessed. And I'm going to pass on the blessing. To everyone that God shows me. And brings across my path. There is no greater blessing in heaven and earth. Than the blessing that each one of us. Have received through Christ in us. Now here's some principles. Said the first, the principle of God's mission is that it's all about Christ and it's all in Christ. You you gather that. God wants to bless all the nations, every nation around you, every person that you see. So what he does, he brings us into his family and he blesses us. Then as we are blessed, God makes us his friends and his co-workers. Just as Abram became his friend. We cannot just be workers like slaves and servants that, that do not know what their master is doing. God brings us in a relationship with us and say, come, be my friend, be close to me, and let's work together. And so as he blesses us, now we are able to pass on the blessing and the blessing is God Himself. And every action that results out of God's grace and love that flows through us. Until when? Until every family in the world has been reached. Until every nation has been reached. And then we can shout, Come Lord Jesus, the work is done. We finished our part. And so, the blessing is passed on just as we received it. It says, God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son. God so loved us. That's why He gave. That same principle must work in my life and your life. This is the most important principle besides that Christ is all. That all is in Christ. Is the second most important principle is that everything results out of your love or God's love in you. If that love is not there for the people of Heinersburg, you will not reach out to Heinersburg. The reason why you probably do not reach out to others in Heinersburg can, can be worked back to that you do not know what you have in Christ. Or that you do not love people enough to go out. And so we can ask God for that. Lord, increase our love. We want to abide in your love. Let your love flow through us in every moment. And so the basis of love in mission is, is always that kind of love which God has. It's unconditional. 
We can't say, I'm going to bless and go with packages and, and help the poor as long as they come and join the church. There's no such condition with God. It's unconditional. It's a sacrificing love. It's unmerited love. And so as we receive from God, so we give to others. We are in mission with God, but He still leaves the choice to us. Isn't that amazing? You have a free choice. You know, it's, if, if God calls and woes you and say, I want you to reach out, I want you to come with me and be a co-worker with me, then He will never force you. He will not make you feel guilty. He will not bring condemnation on you until you say, alright, I'll go. You don't have to go. You, you receive all the blessings. But as you get closer to Him and you get His heart and His love, you're going to make that choice by your own will and say, God, I want to be part of this. God, use me. God, send me. Lord, who can I touch? Lord, what can I do for those people? How can I help this situation? Isn't that so? And so, even though you're chosen, you might still miss it in what God is wanting to do through you. And you will certainly see God's face. You will certainly be part of His kingdom. But you'll find there that you will get to God one day and He says, I have chosen you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you to bear much fruit for me. And then you realize, because you've never been willing to enter with God into this, that you never bore fruit. The fruit that brought glory to Him. And so Jesus comes and He says, the first basis is, if, if you love me, that is the basis of the work that I want to do through you. That love is going to require a sacrifice. He says, no greater love has any man than he laid down his life for his friends. And so that spells out to me sacrifice. And then he says, I want you to love others just as I have loved you. How did he love you? Did you receive all his love? He died for you. He sacrificed everything for you. And when we as a church come to that place where we say we want to love and abide in Jesus' love in our community, in our country, in the nations, then I must be willing to accept that same sacrifice. Even if I lose everything. Even if I'm, even I, even if I'm going to die. I'm on this mission with God. Now, if you ever you die, it's not going to be an, an accident. The death happens inside you, not on the outside of you. It's that part where you have to make a choice. Either you're going to live for Christ or you're going to live for yourself. It's the same choice that Adam made. There were two trees. The one tree was, I live for myself. Or the other tree was the tree of life, I live for Christ. That tree is still in our hearts. You know, the garden is our hearts. This is my kingdom, and I am the king of this kingdom. No one of you can wear the crown here in my kingdom. But there's those two trees, and there's also that throne. Although I have the right to that throne, to be the king of my own life, I can make the choices. I have also the right, now that Christ has saved me and forgiven my sin, to lay down my crown at His feet. And say, Jesus, be king of my life. Come fill my garden and come rule. By love. 
David was not the rightful king. Jonathan was the rightful king of the kingdom. Saul was the king. And Jonathan had the right to follow up that kingdom. In this kingdom that we are born in, you know, I don't know who's your Saul, but uh, probably was Adam, that I inherited this kingdom that is me. But now I realized, even though I can be king of my life, I can accept Christ to come in and have that love for him. Does it make sense? That's why the, the love that Jonathan had, you know, I never understood that. How can the love of Jonathan for David be a greater love than a man for a woman? Whoever wrote that's mad. You know, he doesn't know. He's, there's something wrong with him. You know, but it's not a sexual love. It, it is a genuine, the deepest form of love that there is, that's God's love that Jonathan had for David when he realized that David was God's anointed. As Jesus is God's anointed. And he chose David because he loved him so much. and said, you be king. And so we come and say, yes, Jesus, you be king. I love you. And that love is reciprocal because David, our king, Jesus, loved us first. And because he loved us, I can love him. And then he brings us in. He says, you're no longer servants. You now are my friends. You are in an intimate relationship with me. I share my deepest hearts with you. I share my feelings with you. And I'm sharing my plans with you. And this church and us, we need to come to that place where each one of us can say, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. And I know what he's doing. And I know what he wants to have done. I'm no longer a servant that does not know what his master is doing. I am part of the mission that God is doing here. Amen. And that's what we're chosen for. And it says, I've chosen and appointed you that you will bear much fruit. you find that in John chapter 15. And that fruit that we bear, we don't want to talk about that fruit. It's, it's the fruit of the Spirit, obviously. You know, we, we cannot be Jesus' friend and not have the fruit of the Spirit. And it must be the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, also, we, can, we cannot be part of that which God is doing. But there's another fruit that I see that we need to bear. And that's the fruit of passing the blessing that we've received to others. And so, you want to be part of that blessing? We're only halfway now. So relax, enjoy. So we are to be productive. And uh, so as God in the beginning of Genesis says, He blesses Adam and Eve. Just as He blesses us now, today. And he says, go out and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with God's glory. I'm just joking. <laughs> and he says, to have dominion, to rule. And that's exactly what Jesus comes and he says to us. He says, go and be fruitful and multiply and rule and have dominion. I give you all the authority that I have. I give you my name. I give you my power. Go out there and go be fruitful and multiply. Doesn't mean to have babies, but you can have them anyway. You know, if, if that's going to work for you. But it means that we go out and fill the kingdom of God with the souls for which Jesus died and shed his blood. 
And say, I'm going to win them to Christ. And I'm going to disciple them and teach them. And I'm going to bring them into God's family. And into what God is doing in our lives. And then it says, when we do that, when we bear much fruit, the Father is glorified. And so that's Jesus' command. And then we come to the very goal of the mission that we're talking about. We've seen how hard works. We see some principles of it. But what is the goal? The goal is not to pass the blessing on, but the goal is that God would be worshipped. And we see that in Jacob. When he calls the sons of Joseph and he passes on this blessing that he received from God through Abram, that covenant, he passes it on. And when he passes it on, he worshipped God. And that's the goal and the aim. Of, of mission is that God would be glorified and that God would be worshipped, that God would be in the throne, that His kingdom will be the only kingdom. The only reason for missions is because there is no worship. There's worship here. But outside of this, there's no worship. If you switch on your television, is there worship? If you open the newspaper, is there worship? If you put the radio on, if you listen to our president. And so, the reason for missions is because there is no worship. And so as we go and we be the blessing that God has made us, you know what result it will have? God will be worshipped. and God will be um, glorified in that. They will honor Him and praise Him. And His name and His kingdom will be established where we go. And God eventually will be God alone. He alone and His kingdom. And we see this in Revelations fulfilled. In Revelations 5, we read about this book that's sealed. You've read it. You always wondered, what's in this book? And everybody cried because no one was worthy to open this book. It doesn't say it there, but I believe in that book was written up all our names. All the peoples of the world's names were in this book. And we, it was locked up and sealed. And then it says, But there's someone, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is conquered. He is worthy. He opened. He can open that seal of the book and let what is in the book free and out. And who's there? Who, who's, in, who's locked up in the book? It's God's plan, His mission, His people, His family. And then Jesus comes. And when, we, when you expect the lion, then what do you read in the next verse? There's a lamb. Amen. And there, there we see the lamb. Christ the lamb, but also Christ the lion. We see the lamb in, the, in Abram's covenant. And we see the lion in David's covenant. And fulfilled. And it says, worthy of the lamb. And everyone worship him. Amen. And that's, that's our mission. We want to see Him. But there's something more which I want to close with. Is that Jacob, after passing on the blessing, as we should do that, and then he worshipped, that's what we should do, and that's what we should desire. Then it says, he leaned on his staff. That's uh, Hebrews 11 verse 21. You have it there. Hebrews 11.21. Thank you. Over. 
Hebrews 11 to, is it there? Leaning upon the top of his staff, and that will baffle any theologian. Why did God put it in there? Some translations will say that Jacob worshipped the staff of Joseph. That, that's not what it says, but that's how they make it. They say, well, Joseph was the one in power then, and, and Jacob submitted under his staff under that power. Well, if you want to take that translation, we can say that Joseph is a type of Christ, and we submit under his authority. So we can. But it, some say translated and says that Jacob was sitting at the head of the bedside. Well, they have to make that up. They try to understand. They get that from Genesis because Jacob was sitting on the bed. But I believe God wants to reveal something there because what is a staff a emblem of? pilgrimage, walking on a journey. Just as the Israelites, when they were taking the Passover, they had to have what? A belt on, sandals on, staff ready. Why? Because they were saying, we are out of here soon. When the job is done, we are out of here. And so, in the same hard cry of the mission, we can say we pass on the blessing. We are seeing worship to God we worship, but we have this. We are only pilgrims on this earth. We only here for a mission. We only here for a purpose. When our mission is done, where will be going? Where will you be going? There's an inheritance from us in heaven, a city prepared for us, that we will be dwelling there. There's no sun there. There's no sea there. Because God himself is the light. God is the, the one in whose midst we will dwell for eternity. And so as we see that picture, we can move ourselves into this mission of God and challenge ourselves today. I don't know if this is the truth. Someone told, told that there is a, a graveyard with English soldiers that came out to fight here during the Boer War. Do you know about that, the truth? They were sent out here and they got the message that, you know, South Africa is like India. It's very hot here. So they come with their shorts and their short sleeves and they have no clothing for heat because they're expecting. They're totally unprepared for what they, they are sent to do. They're on a mission, but they cannot accomplish the mission because they came here to this Heinersburg area to fight in this war for which they were sent, for which they were chosen. And because they were not equipped, they failed in the mission because it can get really cold here. And that whole, I don't know how many soldiers died of exposure. I don't know where they are buried here. I've just heard it. And Maurice says he knows about it. It's up here. You know, they've given their life, but it was wasted. And God has given us a life. And we can waste it too. You, you can also come into this war that God has called us into this mission and come as the soldiers, ill-equipped for what God has for you, and trying to do it without what God has. And so this is a challenge to us. God has sent us out. What can you do practically here? How can we take this message, and how can you make that part of your life? What are you going to give your life to? Will you give it to Christ's mission? Will you give it to what He's doing? And what can you do? Well, 
Firstly, you can speak. We can speak the word of God. We can say. Secondly, it's who we are. We are the friends of Jesus. And Jesus was the friends, friend of sinners. We can become the friend of sinners as Jesus was. We can reach out and they can see who we are as how we live among them. And then we can do things with our hands, with the skills that God has given us, with the talents we've given us. We can do good works. You know, let God give us that mind in us. What we speak, what we are, and what we do. And the question is here, when people come with us, and when they dwell with us, and when they see us do things, can they see something of God's presence in our life? Can they see something of God's glory in our life? Because they will be attracted by that and say, that which you have, we want. And we give it to them. We bless them with it. But Christ has given us so much more. It says we have received every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not half of it, all of it. As a, as a John that said, God has not given us half a heaven. He's given us all. He has not given us half of Christ. He's given us all of Christ. And so Jesus has given us his name. He says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. What terms is that? That's in terms of his mission. If we ask in terms of his mission, there's not a thing that the Father will not give us so that we can accomplish the mission with him. He's given us his authority. And so my question today, will you pass on the blessing this coming year, not only Christmas time, but for the whole of the year and the rest of your, your life? Will you worship God from now on to see him worshipped everywhere? And will you put your hand on the staff and say, I'm just a pilgrim here. I'm out soon here. I'm following my master. Amen. I close with this verse, John 17, verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth, Jesus speaking at the end of his mission. This, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Can we pray that prayer? But praying, Father, we want to glorify you in this earth. And we want to finish the work that you've given us to do. Amen. God bless. Thank you.